Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, a retired 27-year sergeant of the NYPD. And with me tonight, straight out of Brooklyn, retired NYPD detective Phil Grimaldi. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, Billy. How about you? Good. You know, I'm excited about tonight's guest. He's actually a free fire. Uh, Tom Delgado, comic, writer, actor, tour guide, attorney. I, I, I don't know if I can give him enough titles. I, you know, I, I made a flyer here, you could see. And the reason I made this one is because I like his co-host of the show, Courtney McGinnis. She's much prettier than Tom. <laughs> the, the earlier one I made, I said, I got to get rid of him. Let me get one with Courtney in it. And there she is. You know? I'm surprised you kept me in at all. I, well, I almost wasn't good. I was just going to put yeah. pictures of Courtney. You know, I, I, got, <laughs> I got a little obsessed looking at Courtney. So I, I said, but anyway, it's great to have you here, Tom. You know, I know that you're doing so well. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back and reintroduce the show. But I want to play the Police Off the Cuff song. And we'll be right back. Cool. It's a show with two retired detectives. Now we're in the thick of New York crime, fast and hectic. They got some stories and some jokes. Even an interview with the most popular folks. Off the cuff, off the cuff. One episode just saying enough. Get a little laughter and an interview too. It's maybe the best thing you can do. So welcome back, everyone. That, well, Tom, that's our song. Uh, my, one of my friends actually played all the music and wrote that song and everything for us. But we may be retiring that song soon and moving to a more hard-hitting uh, trailer. That you guys, that my gonna, son. you guys are going to move to uh, to Bill playing some Paul Simon on his guitar. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think we want a harder hit. I actually with Phil, I was going to play Chella Luna. Chella Luna means a lot. <laughs> I don't know, man. You should try that. That sounds pretty amazing to me. <laughs> We're going to come out of the 70s and 80s. And maybe oh, oh like I can do a little. <laughs> I don't know. That's make you enough, you can't refuse. That's exactly. right. Exactly. That's right. So, Tom, I noticed, though, I, I, I can't help but notice you're doing amazing with your podcast. I mean, I, I, I jealously look at your numbers, and, um, and I say jealously, I think you have 53 thousand subscribers what what are you doing right uh i don't know i mean I, I i don't know i guess i've been just trying to i've been trying to like experiment a good amount lately with different types of topics and stuff like that uh you saw that i did some of the dark side stuff in new york uh, yeah in fact i'm gonna play some of that later i think yeah, that's great sure. that's great uh, you know? i did some of the dark side stuff which is a little more true crime a little more like the hauntings and like you know stuff like that People tend to like that. I've done, uh, you know, I don't know. I guess I just constantly like experimenting, trying different things, and and some of it hits and some of it doesn't. I don't know. Uh, now, has New York City opened back up for tour guides? Are you going uh, out with groups some, yet? I I don't do that anymore. I I luckily don't have to do that anymore, which is nice. Uh, oh, you I, sound like the guy in Goodfellas that doesn't shine shoes anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, shoes anymore. Dude, I don't do that anymore. Yeah. That, that was Bill trying to tell me to go get my shine box. That's right. That's right. Uh, no, no, I don't. I don't use my shine box anymore. I, uh, I yeah, I just uh, I just do the YouTube. And uh, and what ends up happening is people contact me through the YouTube and they'll ask me to take them out on like a private thing. And I'll do that. But uh, those those I'll do a little a little less frequent. That sounds a little scary. You don't know who you're taking out there. You could that's have an axe. That's true. That's true. You could have an axe murderer that's wants you to take him down to the meatpacking district. Yeah, you know? you're right. I guess that's something that I'm gonna have to be a little more careful with as it <laughs> as it grows a little bit. But uh, for now, it's okay. I think. Uh, yeah, you know, it's actually it's interesting you say that. You do live streams. I used to do live streams walking around the city, and I kind of had to stop because people know where you are. And they'll come up to you and and like interrupt and like, you know, 
it's really annoying and it makes me it keeps me on edge when i'm out there so i'm like screw this i'm not gonna no kidding that was actually happening to you yeah well think about it as you get bigger too like the more the more subscribers and stuff you have the more i guess uh fame or whatever you want to call it you have people are going to want to seek you out they'll be like oh look he's live oh i know where that is let's go down there and mess with them or talk to them or whatever you know they better not do it to me because it's in my house and i got Two nines and two thirty eights. <laughs> there you go. That's a that, maybe. I should have carried around two nines and two thirty eights. That would make you, for some good then your content. pants would fall down if you had four guns in your That's waistband. True. That's true. But uh, but it would make for great content. That'd get a lot of views. I think. That's true, so, man. Did you did you like uh, put it out there before you went live? That no. You so that's just another live. That's the crazy thing, Phil. Like, if you went on YouTube right now and you, let's say, you subscribed to me, you'd see that I was live. So you could click on my thing, and if you saw that I was in your neighborhood or right. like a mile away, you'd be like, "Oh, I want to go meet him or hang out or say something or whatever." And you could just yeah. show up. Yeah, it's like a big. It's actually a decent sized problem that people have had as their channels have grown. I know yeah, that guy, could be compromising. I'm yeah, sure. big time. It's it'll be distracting, and yeah. you know they want to talk to you, and if you it might. Should if you're lucky, if you're lucky, they just want to talk to you, you know, if they don't want to just yeah. mess with you. And also two thing about this, like people who have bigger followings, they get people with lesser followings who want the exposure. Oh, so they're trying to pick up your, like, like we're trying to do, like we invited you on the show <laughs> to steal, to steal some of your subscribers, but it never seems to work. I think your, your subscribers are loyal to you. They're like, the hell with these two guys. <laughs> we don't, we like Tom. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's not like that. It's more, they, they, they actually have a word for it. I noticed they call it, they call it sniping. They call it stream sniping. Stream sniping. Yeah. So wow. people will show up and like, let's say, uh, you know, someone has like a goofy channel where they play pranks on people. They'll show up to someone who's walking around the city doing something, whatever, and they'll go play a prank on them live on their screen to pick up the eyeballs that are watching that other person, you know? Wow. You know, yeah. folks, uh, this is Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. And tonight, our guest, who's been actually on the show three or four times going back like three years, and I was on his show once, Tomas Delgado, who is a comic, an uh, actor, a writer, and he actually has a law degree. And that he just keeps in his back pocket in case Jacoby and Myers comes along and needs yeah. to hire him for the weekend. But he's a really accomplished guy, a funny guy. And he has a, he has a comedy show every Wednesday night on third Avenue and Avenue B at a place called Poco's. Yeah. And that is also getting inundated with fans that watches podcasts. I think you're going to need a bigger place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Third, yeah. Third and B that's a, that you've done that show. Um, yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, I do have a lot of degree as you like to point out. That's a, that's a, if that's you want, a, Phil and I will stand out front and sign autographs as the yeah, police sure. off the cuff guys <laughs> sniping to your show. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, but the law degree is my is my version of my two nines and my two thirty eights. I guess uh, just <laughs> he curious. uses this instead exactly, of this. exactly, exactly. But uh, no, if you ask Tom anything about any political question, he goes, "No, no, 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 no." The, he reminds me of Jordan Peterson. He's like, that's not true. I've done a lot of research on that. And he and he knows he knows everything. He'll refute everything you say, but he's done research. So it's hard for you to argue because he knows he has information at his I'm fingertips. A huge, I'm a huge nerd at first stuff. But you know, Bill, like I'm just a curious guy. When me, when me and Bill did the video, uh, Bill took me around like uh, the walk with the, your, the barrio. You took me out El Barrio and did all that. Yeah, he showed two, me around three everything. precincts, Spanish Harlem. He yeah. showed me everything, Phil. He, he, and I was like a sponge, man. I couldn't get enough of it. He's pointing out where all this stuff happened. Uh, I don't know. I guess that's just my thing. I just I just love to like read and love to, I guess, learn new stuff. I just Well, you know, it's, it, Tom, it's funny. I, and I'm sure Phil does this too. When I when I drive around the city, even if with my kids will see, oh, you see that corner over there? In such and such a year, yeah, this yeah. guy shot this guy there yeah. and I chased him down the street. I mean, <laughs> you see all yeah. these locations and it brings back all these police memories to yeah. you. Phil, well, that people- happens to you too, right? Absolutely. I mean, I was on like the first couple of dates with my wife and she didn't look far <laughs> from where I made one of the best collars in my career. I mean, it was, these guys were serial killers. Uh, one, They actually killed a cop and it was a few blocks from her house. And coincidentally, by strange coincidence, she worked for an attorney. And when I brought up the story, turned out that her attorney represent the guy that she worked for represented one of the perpetrators. And uh, it was just a crazy coincidence. But yeah, I was, I stopped for a light. I said, oh, I happened to make a great collar here one time. And uh, 
just uh, yeah, it happens all the time. There's a lot of different things, and I'll see something on the news sometimes in the precincts that I worked, and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that corner. I I locked up a guy with a gun or whatever, you know. I was so, yeah, going to a, I was going to a wedding one day, and my wife and I were all dressed up, but I see a guy running down the street just did a robbery. And I ran out and made the collar. No way! Are you <laughs> yeah. kidding me? I had my little thirty-eight on me. I mean, I gave the collar away, but I, I, I made the arrest. Oh, that's <laughs> amazing! Very that's good. amazing. That's amazing. You know, I want, I want to play a little bit of Tom's uh, great mob hits in in New York City. This is a little for our fans and his fans. Hopefully, some of his fans are here. This is some of what Tom Delgado does. Tom Delgado, the funny comedic tour guide. This is where, on October twenty-fifth, nineteen fifty-seven, at the barber shop that used to be here. Uh, that Albert Anastasia was murdered while receiving a shave and a haircut. Hold on, can we point out that I didn't? I didn't wear this shirt on purpose. I was just gonna say, did you feel? Oh, you you got the same shirt on. Oh my I, god! I love that you picked this clip and made me look like I only own one shirt. It's just the starving artist. It just—it's really, really pathetic. <laughs> it, sh it shows the true character. Exactly. Bill's like, oh, let's play this video and show how poor Tom is. It's perfect. <laughs> He used to be the former head of a group called Murder Inc. Murder Incorporated. That was a real thing. Uh, in fact, it was like kind of the arm of the mob that kind of did all the contract killings for regardless of the family, regardless of whether it's Jews, Italians, they didn't care. Uh, Murder Inc. Here at Murder Inc., we value diversity because we love to kill. Murder Inc. You know, anyways, they were the contract killing arm of the mob. They did whatever they had at thousands yeah, of things. It's a Starbucks now, go figure. Inc. And he was the head of this group. It was operating from the late 20s to the early 40s. So anyways, in 1957, he comes here for a shave and a haircut, right? With his friend, I'm sorry, his godson, uh, Vinny Squilante. He's sitting in a chair with towels over his face. And two gunmen walk into the main entrance of the hotel and go into the barber shop through the inside. They go up to the barber. The guy's got towels on his face. They got the barber to move off to the side. And they just unload on him while he's lying in his chair. They say he lunged at the mirror thinking that uh, that was actually uh, the actual killers. He ends up falling on the ground and dying right there. Uh, kind of insane. Uh, and uh, they believe Joey Gallo was actually responsible for the murders. I, I mentioned him at the top of this video. He actually died in a shooting at uh, Umberto's Clam House. That was actually the one that was featured in, uh, in The Irishman. Uh, but uh, they say he was credited. He said he called himself uh, and his associates the barbershop quintet after that uh, because he, he was kind of trying to take credit for the killing. Uh, but it's a really big deal and it happened right here, 1957. That's so great because, I mean, you have to be up on all of this stuff. And the trivia for people like that are not from New York, they got to be like, oh, my God, look at this. That's a Starbucks now, but so-and-so was hit there. And it's like just well, real also, New York. But also, too, people who are from New York. Like you guys, you guys know it because you guys are police officers and have so much history with it. But people who've lived here their whole lives walk by those places and they're like, oh, I didn't know that happened there. Like, how, how would they know unless they've read the books or have the experience like you guys do? How would they know? You know, so I get, well, you know, I, got, it, I get a lot of messages from people who are from New York saying, like, thank you so much. I've lived here for 40 years, 50 years. I never knew blank or I never knew blank. It's kind of cool. It gives Well, it gives it, it, it's like most New Yorkers have never been to the Statue of Liberty and have never been to the top of the Empire State Building. Right. We, we just don't do I've those things. Both. Have you really? <laughs> I've done both like 18 times each. I, I was well, very small. I was a small child when I went to the stop, top of the Statue of Liberty, but I, I've been up on the Empire State Building a couple of times. Now, these these dark side tours you do, um, now what gave you the idea to do that? I'm going to play a little bit of your dark side of the East Village. This and, be uh, yeah, it's, I, did, I, I did the in the East Village one. I did the case of Daniel Rakowitz. You guys know Daniel Rakowitz? Oh, that was the guy who ate the person right yeah, he, he he uh he he made a soup from his girlfriend well you know something in this first picture you look a little like him so i don't want to uh, <laughs> uh oh <laughs> anyways the president his name was vinnie girolamo he pushed his girlfriend off the roof this is uh the hell's angels she died the, hell's a the old hell's angels uh they're not there anymore but the old hell's angels uh stabbed uh, on east third street motto which was actually on a plaque here until recently was when in doubt knock them out it's pretty good motto uh you know not really well thought out but you know he got stabbed for it uh so things like that happen uh, people get into fights here all the time in fact uh in 2016 there was a mercedes-benz driving through at about 1 20 a.m a bunch of 20-year-old dudes, a bunch of bros, 
uh, moved a cone that they had put out here to keep their bikes, uh, you know, parking spaces. You know, no one's too uh, tough to save a parking space in New York. But anyways, one of these guys moves a cone, guy comes out, they start fighting and everything. A bunch of dudes pour out of the Mercedes. They start a big brawl. And uh, the main guy, his name's David, uh, the bro, got shot. He got shot right here in the front over a parking spot in front of the Hells Angels. He's taken the hospital. He survived. So all these kind of crazy things happen right here. Um, and in fact, right nearby in East Village, there was a bombing in 1970 at the Electric Circus, which was Andy Warhol's nightclub at the time. Uh, and they said that it might have been the Hells Angels then. So lots of stuff happened around the neighborhood credited to the Hells Angels who were here in this building. There was, a, you know, I think like 16 apartments in the building uh, that they used as kind of crash pads. Uh, and where I'm sure they, you know, drank Fanta and played charades uh, and stuff like that. But uh, it was all right here in this building. Up until 2019, uh, when yeah, they, they left. Yeah, we've had it with the neighborhood. You know, not worth it. Uh, and they've moved now to the Bronx. Did they blame it on uh, gentrification? Brings me <laughs> yeah. to the seeing of. They blamed it on COVID. Of the neighborhood now, which is when in doubt, price them out. So they fell <laughs> well. Yeah, I did a, the East Village. I covered the Rakowitz, which I thought was so interesting. But yeah, I did a little bunch of those dark side videos, and those did pretty well. You were asked, like, how how uh, certain things get, get more hits than others. Um, it's not necessarily the stuff that I'm always most interested in. It gets the most views, but you know, you do them and you get a kind of nice little overview. I think the stuff's interesting. I but, think it's really, I, I think I found the Rakowitz thing. It's on here. Let me yeah, just Rakowitz see if we uh, yeah, is... And eating soup made out of their body. Yeah. I'm sure people have done worse to keep a well-located apartment. So the guy gets arrested uh, is not guilty of murder because of way of insanity and goes into a, uh, you know, a asylum and all that. Uh, but the story continues to haunt the East Village to today. Daniel Rakowitz, the cannibal of the East Village here at 709th Street. But it's cool because these stories, sometimes people know about the stories, but they don't know where they actually took place. So the whole idea is to show, like, to put a, to put like a, you know, a location to it, you know? Yeah. What year is that, Tom? That was 80, uh, it's late 80s. I forget the exact year, really? but I want to say it's like- not, It's not ringing a bell in my memory. I guess I was- no, I, I, remember, I remember it. Yeah, it was, a, it was a famous story. In fact, yeah. just another footnote is that the attorney for the Hells Angels was Ron Kuby. That's right, Kuby. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who was, uh, what's his name? William Kunstler's partner. Yeah, well, and he was, I think- his, That was his, uh, his mentor was- uh, Right, was William Kunstler. And, you know, so many people said, I would love to just go to the cemetery where- William Kunstler is buried so I can piss on his grave. You know how many cops have said that? And I'm sure they feel the same way about uh, Ron Kuby. You're right. But right. Ron, Ron, Ron Kuby, actually, uh, he was on, uh, I did one of these shows with uh, uh, Ed Mullins, and they had Ron Kuby on. He was actually a nice guy, but he's represented some really despicable yeah, people. Yeah, that was, that was kind of his thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, he was a radical leftist, so to speak. So he, uh, you know, I don't know today where he would stand, but uh, you know, in a, yesteryear, a lot of conservatives, he was that radical leftist, and he had he had the right uh, mentor. They were, uh, you know, they represented Kunstler represented a lot of the BLA and stuff like that during the seventies when they were killing cops and stuff. So they were real radicals. But I met him a couple of times, and you're right, he does have somewhat of a decent personality. You could have hold a conversation. He's a personable guy he just really believes the shit yeah. that he represents these people he really believes it i mean he has his own he has a gun permit he's no yeah. one's fool he's yeah, not he's gonna no get fool, but he, he's also very smart i found him to be yeah. quite intelligent uh I, I had some conversation with him years ago on a cop homicide when Ralph Dolds was killed. I was out looking for a guy and he put me on notice that I wasn't to hold a guy in or anything like that. Threatened me with civil rights uh, lawsuit and stuff like that. But then I met him face to face and we had like a half an hour conversation, 20 minutes, half hour or so. And uh, he definitely is an intelligent guy, but it's what you said, Billy. He's a capitalist, but he has very, very liberal beliefs. That's what I believe about him. Didn't he, he also that. represent that, uh, that uh, attorney that represented the blind sheik. Remember yeah. that, uh, yes. that that attorney Lynn, with the Lynn beard? She, she, she's a female that had a beard. What yeah, the hell? Little, Lynn little Stewart, Stewart, that's right. Lynn she had like Stewart, little, 
Oh, she had long little hairs from her chin hanging out. She was uh, a real, I got to say this, she was uh, a real piece of shit because she was handing uh, uh, messages to the blind sheep. The terrorists, yeah. The radicals. So she's a piece of shit. I'm glad that she was convicted. But and but Tubi represented her too. So it was like, yeah. oh wow, you know, yeah, he represented she got every out of jail radical. On, on some type of a medical. Uh, she's got the, the judge. The judge fell for her shit. He should have let her die in prison. Yeah, she was that. Uh, she was dying of cancer, and he he felt bad for her, and he had to let her out. But for what she did, she should have died in prison. She really should have, you know. Yeah, they didn't have mercy on a lot of other people, and if you, you I can't think of anything worse than you know uh, giving the enemy, uh, passing the enemy messages. You know, and then they're definitely the enemy of the United States. So uh, yeah, she shouldn't have been released. But is she still alive, Bill? Do you know? Or is no, no, she- she's dead. She's dead. She's dead. All right. Pretty no, sure. no you know, uh, Tom, is this one of your fans, Alexis Souza Valentin? I don't know. I don't recognize the name. Because she says she loves Tom Delgado. I said, oh, my God, we don't get that kind of love. So I figured that she <laughs> I, must. I was going to say this early when you said she that must be one of your fans. You know, I, I said, yeah, Bill will have that problem. The girls don't want to come up and kiss him if we do a lot of things. <laughs> That's Billy's thing. <laughs> well, the, the, the Tom Delgado, they, they're like the, the fans right out there. There's, there's a lot of love there. And they, they I guess because they want to see him on the street doing these shows. There she is. She again. I love him. So it must be one of your 53.4 thousand subscribers. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? You know? Who knows? Who Folks, knows? this is um, this is Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. If you're not subscribed to us, please go on our YouTube. Subscribe to us. Hit the subscribe button. Ring that bell. Give subscribe. us a thumbs up. Give us and, subscribe. And, uh, yeah, subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, we're, now we're on food stamps because our Patreon has been going the other way. And, uh <laughs> We also, uh, we have a membership, a YouTube membership, where we have five different levels, and you see some of the folks in the chat with the green font. They're part of our YouTube family. You know, Tom, I'm really proud of what you've done with these um, with these tours. They're, they're, they're fascinating, okay. and you're very, you're very personable. And look, being a comic, you're just a natural for doing this. It's not well, an easy thing to do. Well, you know uh, can funny? I just thank uh, Ron Chindel, oh, Inspector nice, Ron Chindel from the Port Authority? Retired NYPD. Good Thank man. you so much for the 1999 super go. chat. Had to there say that. I and I even interrupt uh, Tom Delgado to do that. Thanks, Ron. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I forgot what I was. Oh, you were saying like, oh, you well, you know, Bill, this is one of the cool things, and I think what you guys are doing is great too. Is is um, I think the fact that you know you have a background in comedy. Both of you guys have a background in in, in uh, you know in, in police work, obviously, and everything is. You already have a huge advantage. You guys are both personable guys. You guys are doing this. Like, there's so many people who just put stuff on YouTube. They have no idea what they're doing. But they, what, the one thing that a lot of people are and why they're successful is they're persistent. But if you have the skills that you guys have and you guys are persistent, you can't lose. You know, you just got to keep doing it. You know, Tom, when we interviewed when we interviewed Chaz Palminteri, um, and not to drop his name, but we, we actually did interview him. You did it already. <laughs> Too late, Too I late. dropped him. He said to us, he goes, cops should all be actors. You're already yeah. actors. You have this background in acting and doing, dealing with people and the emotions that you see and the emotions you have to express. He goes, that's acting. And he's yeah. 100% right. But it's just tapping into that maybe hidden talent that you might have and, you know, getting the necessary training. I took three years of acting classes, you know, yeah. and uh, I stopped going when COVID hit. And yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if I'll go back. Maybe I will. I, I really liked it. But it also, it's a ton of work too. If you don't, it's like, if you go to class not prepared, you'll yeah. look like a fool. And the point is, why are you paying if you're not going to go there prepared? You know? Yeah. Well, you, you can't focus on everything. You know, you got to pick and choose stuff. So I think you're doing the right thing. I was going to steal your law degree. Yeah, please. I mean, <laughs> you don't have to steal it. Just ask me. I'll, I'll hand it you over. You let me have it? I'll, I I'm can not post. really using it. You know, Chaz was right, Billy. I mean, I did, when I tell people about my career, I say I did 22 years of acting because the minute you start interacting with someone, right. whether it be on, on uh, you know, uh, defending a uh, a person in a family dispute or taking a report from a victim or interviewing a murderer, there's some type of acting that goes into that. So that's really a great point. And well, I you guys are that- also detectives. Like, they're, not every police officer is going to deal with people as closely as you guys do. You guys yeah, are dealing no, with people that's... constantly. And not on, on top of that, you guys have dealt with the craziest stories and all that stuff possible. So so just already, I think you got a, like a treasure trove there. And I think that kind of stuff is, you know, it's uh, 
I don't know. I think when you have backgrounds and things like that, or you come from other backgrounds, I think the thing that discourages people on YouTube is that it takes time to build the thing. So when well, you don't get when you don't get the results immediately, people get discouraged. But you know, I mean, I think like if you with with the skills like you guys have, for example, why not just keep it going and, and it'll it will grow. It's just a matter of time. But you know, you know, Tom, there is like you've told me that you know a lot of comics that have tried to do this and have failed because they don't stick with it. And, but but also the truth is it's not just sticking to it; it's knowing the methodology of it. First of yes. all, being good at it, having sure. a entertaining, interesting show. But there is a methodology to YouTube. There and is. If you don't if you don't learn it, you're going to be like you know. Yes, but the methodology has a lot to do with frequency, and and sticking through it, man. Just persevering, and also and and experimenting, finding what works, and be willing to fall on your face, and doing it over and over and over again. Like really, that's it. And, well, you know, Tom, I, I almost quit when my uh, oldest son dropped out of our Patreon, paying, oh, seven, paying seven a month. I, I was so pissed. I go, you little fucker. And I'm sorry, I usually don't use that word, but I said it to him. I go, I paid $150,000 for your college education, and you withdrew $7 a month from my Patreon? He actually got embarrassed. I was like, you got to be kidding me. That's yeah. hilarious. That is hilarious. <laughs> Bobby said, enough of this bill every month. Yeah, what is this $7 I got to pay for dad every yeah. month to be on his Patreon? Well, guess what? Now I got to drink Costco water because it has $7 <laughs> yeah. a month. Well, just, just take them out of the Patreon of your will. Of that, your that's will. right. That's right. Oh, what, are you kidding me? He's got a Jew. He's got a Jewish mother. Every time these guys uh, need money, it's how many thousand do you need? You know, it's not even you know hundreds. You know, uh, I'm so like to my wife, what are you doing? We already paid for their college. I, my guilt is gone. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for the days when I don't have to pay for five cell phones. That's all I'm looking for. Five I, cell phones. Yeah, I, I have three daughters, and uh, myself, my wife, and uh, my three daughters, and you get that bill every month, and and I don't even want to talk about the car payments and, and the insurance, but that's we'll save that for another rant. But well, uh, you know, Bill has Bill has a secret to lowering his uh, his phone payments, and it's it's two nines and two thirty eights. Yeah, yeah, that's right. When they come, when they come collecting, just be yeah, like, ah. I'll tell you one thing, man. Even with all this computer stuff, and I know you're you're pretty good technological, technologically, Tom. And I'm not. I'm learning. I mean, you know how to do editing and all that other stuff. And my son, my youngest son, younger, he's 27. My oldest son, 30. I'm, they're still my kids. You know, he's he's a film editor. But I really need to sit down with him just for a couple of hours and learn just how to make shorts and that type of stuff. Yeah. It's important it. to do that stuff. It is. I, if I could go back when I started all the comedy, everything, the first, I, I would teach myself to edit and make my own videos. Like it's so, it's easier than you think, and it's much more self-explanatory than you think. And the crazy thing about YouTube, and this is what people spend so much time on YouTube watching, you know, cats falling into boxes or whatever. But you could actually learn stuff there. You know, like I taught myself to edit on there. I've taught myself to fix things around the house on there. I've taught myself to do everything on there. And it's all there. You could you could get an education. Yeah, it's, it's true. Crazy. It's crazy. You know, Phil and I did a great episode one time. In fact, I don't know why we haven't done another one. We uh, did a show called Coppers in the Kitchen. And Phil taught the audience how to make veal cutlet parmesan heroes. Oh, that's great. And it, it was great. I thought it was great, but we only did one so far. And we should, you know, because it's, you know, it takes time and you got to get all agreed. And, you know. Yeah. But it's we're, like, we're going to do the other one. We got the other one in the shoot, so to speak. But uh, but I actually bought a, a white coat. I have the chef's coat and uh, yeah. got all the ingredients together. But we, we we got you know what? We're a little remiss in that. We did we did the uh, we did the parmesan veal parmesan and we did the uh, sauce too. I think we did two of them, didn't we? That's right. Yeah, I think we did two. And I was going to make you know when I grew up, I was I had eight kids in my family. And I was going to make something called poor man's pizza because I made it for my kids when they were younger. And they go, what is that, dad? I go, when I was younger, we didn't have dough and stuff. We, we had English muffins, sauce, and some mozzarella cheese. And we, <laughs> you know, we just put it in the oven. That's poor man's pizza. And my kids thought it was the greatest thing. They were like, oh, poor man's pizza. I love this. You know, That sounds actually pretty awesome. Yeah, it, it is pretty, pretty good. Well, when yeah, you we take stuff. We doing it too. It was a lot of fun. And uh I think uh, we got good feedback on the comments and stuff. I don't think it was. Uh... Yeah, because Phil knows how to cook. He's Italian. It's like part of his heritage. Oh, oh Tom, you're not Italian. You're Hispanic, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, Nick Robin, actually. If you ever need someone to help you cook some rice and beans, let me yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My wife is actually Dominican. And she oh, great. That. 
but she, she grew up in an Italian neighborhood and her mother's a tremendous cook and uh, they really adapted. I mean, my mother-in-law could cook Chinese, Spanish, Italian, anything. And my wife has really become over the years. She borrowed a little bit of my mother-in-law's recipe, a little bit that I gave her from my mother. And uh, we had a pot of sauce yesterday. Forget about it. <laughs> I always laugh because I always say, what are you doing on the weekends? He has these gigantic, <laughs> it's like an oar. It's not even like a spoon. And he stirs these gigantic pots of sauce for the week, you know? Giant cauldrons. Yesterday was the awe because she made what we call a (laughs) Sunday sauce. You know, normally it's just meatballs and sauce, but yesterday she threw brajol in there, spare ribs. So that was the big uh, awe we had going for yesterday's sauce. And, oh, it was good, though, I got to tell you. Nothing like it. Nothing like a good home-cooked Italian meal. (laughs) You know, Tom, he still talks about us going out into the city and doing a live shoot, us three. I think we could tape it though. I think the point he brought up earlier, it might be problematic if we go out there live, unless we do a quick one, but uh, we should definitely do, we could go to a lot of the locations where a lot of the organized crime hits took place uh, in Brooklyn. I mean, and, and there's so much history in Brooklyn. We talked about Coney Island before my family comes from Coney Island. I know a lot of the history and uh, we would have a good one if we pulled that off. Look, I hit a, I hit a, uh, a note. Margaret Hearn, Sergeant Bill, that was my mother's go-to night she didn't want to cook for seven of us. Poor yeah. man's pizza. See, someone else knows how to we make poor man's pizza. We got to get it together, Billy. We got to pull that I know. We got to do a couple other things, you know? <laughs> it's, it, it's funny. I, I would, Tom, I'm going to play another, the dark side of Central Park. Let me play a little oh, bit yeah, of this. Oh, yeah, before you play it, real quick, I was going to I was gonna mention, I know, I'm sure maybe you guys have some uh, history with it or know people who worked on the case. One of the cases that well, one of the cases was the uh, the preppy killer. Yes, uh, Robert Chambers. That was I had just come on the job. I was maybe on the job for six months, and that was Jennifer Levin, yeah. and they and they were at that famous bar Dorian's, Dorian's on the east Dorian side. Redham. And yeah. you want to hear something that's so crazy? Dorian's on the east side. They really catered to underage kids and kids yeah. that were just eighteen. Yeah. Fast forward to twenty uh, something years later. The Falls, yep. The Falls, owned by Emet Dorian, yep. but the yep. son from Dorian, yep. Emet Sangian, yep. the John Jay College student, was taken murdered. from there and murdered by a yep. serial rapist yep. killer named Daryl Littlejohn. Yeah, that's it's crazy that there was the yeah the uh, the son of the guy who had started at uh, who started Dorian's. It's crazy of Dorian, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, and he he lied to the police and cost them like. Yeah. An extra yeah. like week of investigation, they would have found out who the guy was if he would have told the truth right away. But he didn't. And what what you know, he got for that? He lost his liquor license probably forever. Yeah. Well, and fall, Which, the falls closed shortly after that. Yeah. That, well, because they took the liquor license. Yeah. 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 Imagine that. But that also something good came out of something so horrendous. Imagine bars just being able to hire like an ex-con yeah. as the yeah. bouncer at the door. Yeah. They made it that you have to have a New York State. Um, security guard license to work at a club. Yeah. And you know who does that too? Movies. Right. You know, these these movie productions, they hire homeless people. They get homeless To people, watch yeah. the cars overnight. That's unforgiving. Now maybe they won't with Rust and Alec Baldwin right. cutting the budget and they wind up shooting, a, a, you know, a um, a crew member. Maybe the, the movie production crews won't be hiring homeless people to watch the sets overnight. I used to think that was horrendous. Here they are. They, they're paying people $10 million an actor. Right. And they're going to pay some homeless guy, you know, five an hour to watch the cars overnight. Come on. That's so ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned the Met St. Yen, too. I, I, I covered that one in the Soho video. Really? Yeah, I did. I had the, the uh, case detective from Brooklyn. I think it was South Homicide. It might have been North Homicide. Uh, Brooklyn North Homicide. Brooklyn North Homicide. I had he him on. Great. And, and he, great, he was great. He was excellent. Episode. And uh, when I first started doing the shows by myself, the real crime episodes, uh, Sean McTie is his name. That's right. Oh, wow. And and, and he, he, covered, he covered that case. He had, it was his case from wow. Brooklyn North Homicide. Wow. And he told me so. In fact, I had I had taught at the criminal investigation course at the police academy, and I had a picture of the body, not a gruesome, but it was wrapped in this blanket, and I used it to teach evidentiary stuff because in that blanket they found rabbit hairs. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the rabbit hairs. Uh, when you talk about evidence transfer, it came from a coat that belonged to the murderer's mother. Mother, the mother. It yeah, was yeah. in the closet with the blanket. Right. And that that evidence was really crucial evidence that got him convicted. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a crazy thing. Let me play a little bit of this, and we'll see. Uh, 
Tom Delgado oh, from the Diana Ross, the Diana Ross case. Yeah, this is pretty cool. 1983, there was a very big concert here that ended in uh, kind of a tragedy. July 21st, 1983 was the date uh, Diana Ross was set to perform here in the Great Lawn. Uh, rain kind of postponed it. They did it the next day, July 22nd, 1983. Hundreds of thousands of people were out here. But when the concert was finished, a huge, basically, crime spree began against the people who attended the concerts. Turns out that about 300 teenagers unanimously decided, uh, I'm coming out <laughs> to mug you. <laughs> I don't uh, sorry, what, yeah, about sorry that. about that. I don't know why you, <laughs> that's not exactly the best singing. Worth of jewelry, worth of wallets. Uh, they went down to Tavern on the Green, were flipping tables. It was just like this huge crime spree. Uh, Wilding. People were arrested. Uh, you Do know, you like, remember this, Phil? You remember this? Yeah. This so, was uh, 1982 uh, or 83, I think. 83, yeah. yeah. Uh, luckily, I had about a year on the job. Wow. I will survive. You know, also, too, on this video, I talked about the Stephen McDonald case. They survived. No one died, luckily. But, uh, Which lot I'm sure both of you guys know. The Times Square actually stretched all the way down to Times Square, where a French family was actually mugged. They actually went to a police officer to tell him about it, and he said, uh, that's life. Goodbye. You know, Tom, that was a um, one of those huge robbery sprees. And yeah. do you remember the journalist uh, Jimmy Breslin? Yeah. He wrote a lot of books. He got famous with the uh, Son of Sam case. Son of yeah. Sam was right. He or his son was sitting in, uh, I think, Tavern on the Green, and he got the shit kicked out of him by all these robbers. No and he way. was like, he was like a sickening, sickening liberal. Yeah. And when he wrote that, everyone was like, "Who cares? You deserve it," because like he sort of denied that that was New York City back then, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, so it was like John Donahue. Thank you so much for the nine ninety nine super chat. He says, "Like your videos with." Action Kid. Oh, is that uh, so wow? Action Kid. Action Kid is an interesting. This is funny because I was telling you guys about how people go out live stream. So Action Kid is a friend of mine. His name's uh, his name's Ken, and he's from New York. He he was born and raised. Uh, he grew up in Astoria actually, and he would go out and live stream videos. Uh, just walk around and show you the the city, whatever neighborhood, and people love it. It's great. It's really cool stuff, and and people do it. Tons of people do it now, but he kind of started doing it before a lot of other people did. And he has an issue with that because he's got like 350,000 subscribers, but he'll go wow. out and he'll film and people will come up to mess with him because they know they can see where he is. And he, he it's got it's gotten to the point. He got to the point where he's like, I don't want to do this this way anymore. He's just going to go back to doing recorded videos. But uh, but yeah, he was having a problem with that because he he has a lot of subscribers and people would go. He and needs mess a with security him. team with a couple of nines yeah. and a couple, okay, of a couple of nines, couple thirty eights, or yeah. yeah. And Tom, you know what I like? I like that John Donahue liked your video but gave me ten dollars. <laughs> Uh, actually, Bill, I think was, go, <laughs> I, I don't know. He's going to say, it. oh, Bill, could you pay that forward? Because he liked my video, not yours. He, I don't know if he wrote it, but he might have meant for you to pass that along to me. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty funny. No, that's cool. That is cool. That uh, That's cool that um, that he liked the action. That's actually, so when I first started making videos, I actually did a couple with, with, uh, with Action Kid where I would walk around with him and just talk about stuff. And then I was like, oh, screw this. I'm just going to start doing them myself, too. You know, and I started yeah. That's kind of how I started doing the videos that way. Let's play a little more of your Central Park thing here. And people uh... here in uh, Central Park. Kind of crazy. Uh, you know, it was the 80s, 1983. It is a truly great lawn. All right. Well, uh, kind of cool. Feels like you're in like, you know, in the middle of a field somewhere because uh, that's the idea. That's why they built it like this. You're in the middle of a field. What do you think? Should we keep moving? Deep insights there. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> kind of ridiculous. All right. So I'm here. Oh, this is the Stephen McDonald. Mirror in the northeast corner of Central Park to tell you the story of, uh, well, kind of a, a bittersweet story. Uh, the story of Stephen McDonald, a police officer who was uh, shot here uh, in 1986. So the story is he was, he was a rookie cop, only a couple of years into the force. He was doing a routine patrol, and he comes across these three young kids uh, trying to steal bikes. Uh, he stops one of them. He thinks he sees a gun in the ankle of this kid. 
And while he's inspecting that and looking into that, another one of the kids had turned, taken a gun out and shot him three times. He said that he, he only remembers the smell and the look of the, the fire, of the, the actual smoke coming out of the gun. He was actually hit in the neck, wrist, and right above the eye. Uh, he, was, he was pretty close to dying, uh, was taken into the hospital, but was saved. Unfortunately, he was paralyzed from the neck down. Uh, his wife was like six months away from giving birth to, uh, to his first child, uh, who she did give birth to, and he was able to attend his baptism, uh, but he was paralyzed for the rest of his life. The boy who shot him was named Shavad Jones, a 15-year-old kid. He went to jail. Uh, he went to jail for, uh, for eight and a half years, uh, but the, the, the good part of the story is what Stephen McDonald actually did with the rest of his life. He lived uh, he lived for more. He actually just recently died in 2017, but he lived a life uh, preaching forgiveness. He actually spoke all around the country. Uh, he stayed on board with the NYPD and actually served to motivate and educate the other officers. But he preached a life of forgiveness. Uh, he actually said uh, when people would ask him about his anger, he said that it was difficult. There were some days where he was mad and others uh, where he wasn't, but he said his, his desire to forgive was more of an attitude that he tried to cultivate and a lifestyle he tried to lead. He said he could understand why uh, a child would want to, you know, uh, especially a child from Shavad Jones's background would, would see him as a bad guy and want to hurt him, etc. And he tried to empathize and sympathize. Uh, and he said that he harbored no ill will towards him. And in fact, a couple years after Shavad Jones went to jail, he actually called him to ask for forgiveness. Uh, eventually, he was released from prison in 1995 and, and died in a motorcycle accident. Uh, but uh, McDonald lived. He lived till 2017 uh, and really, you know, made a made a huge impact on the city. <clears throat> and this plaque was put here to kind of uh, commemorate him. Uh, and it's pretty impressive. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, the guy, the guy was able to forgive a, another person who shot him and paralyzed him for his whole life. That's not an easy thing to do. I mean, I, you know, I couldn't forgive my roommate for eating my arroz con pollo <laughs> the other day, which he did. Uh, still haven't forgotten. But, uh, you know, it's a pretty, uh, pretty cool thing. And uh, this plaque serves to remember this guy, Steve McDonald. In fact, uh, the New York Rangers give out uh, the Steve McDonald Extra Effort Award every single year to the player who best kind of represents that uh, going the extra mile uh, attitude of the police officer. Uh, so, yeah, I think... Uh, for all of that stuff that I just said, Eric, do you think I uh, have a chance at that award? I doubt it. <laughs> you know, I, I look, Stephen McDonald, you can't say enough great things about yeah. him. He just, he just died a, a year or two ago. Yeah. But I, you know, I used to be even, and this is me, I used to even be bothered that he forget, forgave that piece of shit. That kid, you know, he died. He was on like a stolen motorcycle yeah. and a car T-boned him. It was and as if God... Yeah, it was yeah. as, yeah. It was as if yeah, it was they, as they if popping, God said, popping wheelies, popping wheelies yeah, and stuff. Let, let's take this kid out because he's not going to do anything good with his life. So let's, uh, and he just got out of prison, you know, and then so he was only out for a few months. He was home for, I don't know, seven or eight months, something like that. Yeah. And, uh, and he, I mean, uh, look, maybe, maybe that's, you know, maybe for your own mental health, you want to forgive someone. So you're not filled with the rage and the hatred, but I just like, look what he did to him, man. He was, guy was paralyzed and, yeah. His son now just I think just he got promoted to lieutenant recently. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's I mean, it's I mean I don't in know, fact, I, you know, I, I, Tom, we just did a, a podcast, Ivy League Murders, and one of the women is um Laura Rodriguez McDonald. She's right. her, her husband is his cousin. Whoa, really? So wow. yeah, it's a it's a small world of interconnected things, you know. I, I, you know, I will say, like, I mean, yeah, it's a horrible, horrible case. But I think, I think what's, I think what's really, really incredible about that story, though, is what he did with that. You know, I mean, like, that's almost, it's almost to me, it's like almost like superhuman. It's all like, like you said, Bill, like you would have a hard time forgiving him. But I think that's what makes that story to me, and one of the reasons why I wanted to highlight it so incredible is that this guy actually was able to do that. Like it's, it's like, you know, Tom, it's almost like saintly. It's like he exactly. became That's saintly. Exactly my point. And, and I, maybe I felt through him that the hatred for this kid, maybe I was the one that yeah. allowed myself 
to hate him, even though that well, I, that horrible thing didn't happen to me. Exactly. But I, I couldn't a, I couldn't forgive that kid for what he did. But that's the, that, that's I guess what's amazing about people like Steve McDonald is that in their ability to do that thing, it reminds you like, holy crap, if that guy can do that, if that guy can find a way to do it in that situation, then my situation where I don't know, some guy cut me off in traffic or something. Right. You know what, you know what I think may have happened with McDonald. Now he's presented with a situation which God forbid it should happen to anyone, but he's paralyzed. He can't move. What is he? He's not yeah. going to die. He's going right. to, he's going to, you know, continue on. He had a wife, he had a family and maybe he just asked himself, what can I do with my life to make it, uh, you know, an impact on the human race. And, you know, God kept me here for a reason because he was definitely right. a religious guy. God kept me here for a reason. So what is my path? What am I going to do to, you know, leave uh, uh, some type of a mark on, on the human race? And maybe that's just what came to him. And I agree with you, Bill. I don't know if I could ever uh, forgive somebody for hurting myself or, or someone in my family. Uh, I could probably get past it. Uh, but I don't know if I could, uh, you know, reach out and shake hands with somebody that did something horrible to me and my family, you know, or even talk to them and say, I forgive you. But again, you know, when you're presented with that situation, maybe that was the solace that he found to make himself, you know, find some kind of peace because, you know, think about it. Yeah. I, I met him uh, not long before he passed away, maybe like two years before over at Fox studios, I was doing something with uh, my relative's restaurant and, and uh, it was right, right around Christmas time. And, uh, you know, from 1986, when he got shot, to, it was like maybe 2017, something like that. Um, you know, this guy spent a long time in a wheelchair and uh, he seemed to have, uh, you know, like a, a happy personality. He didn't seem, you know, depressed or anything like that. So, yeah, which is uh, pretty amazing. You know, it Phil, is. It, there was a, uh, a case they actually did on the perfect murder. And when I was in the 2-4... I was an anti-crime and myself and my team, we boomed the door open of this apartment and two girls had just been murdered. One was drowned in the bathtub with a phone cord around her neck and one had just been suffocated. Anyway, long story short, the two guys that did it got arrested. The mother of the one girl, Nikki Silas, and I don't know her mother's name, she forgave the guy that killed her daughter and she actually to this day visits him in prison. And I, I, I just can't, I can't, I just, I don't understand that level of yeah. forgiveness. I just don't. And I, I got, you know, I'm a worse person than her, but I just cannot. That guy killed your daughter. And, you know, I, and, and she, the perfect murder, they did that case. It was the I two dancers from Harlem. Yeah. And I remember that was like when we kicked the door open because the water from the tub was uh, going, it was overflowing in the strong. tub and going to the, uh, uh, apartment below and then when we saw both these girls dead we were like oh my god this was and they were just killed like maybe 15 minutes to a half hour before this. were you in that episode bill did you narrate or i think i may have been in it at some in some way i'm not sure i i was in six episodes i can't even remember how many but uh okay that was the Oscar performance I was nominated for. <laughs> you know i'm in some company here i mean bill's a Retired sergeant, he's a musician, he's a comic, he's an actor, you're an attorney, you're a tour guide, you're a comedian. I'm just a Guido from Brooklyn and a detective. And the reason I know that is not long ago, I accidentally cut a guy off and he said, Guido Dick. <laughs> and I said, nice. Yeah, you got it right, buddy. I'm a Guido and a detective. <laughs> Nice. And I, I made his day. I gave him a thumbs up, and he he gave me a finger back too. But uh, right, not the thumb. No, no. <laughs> that's my new thing. Years ago, I'd get into road rage, but now I just I go, yeah. How you doing? You know, I yeah. waved to him, you know. But well, you know what's funny? You know what's funny, Phil, is that that I think that's the best way to really piss someone off. If they're really pissed off at you, and you're just like, have a nice day. They right. walk. They walk away from that fuming <laughs> even more. You know. Yeah. If you, I, I had a guy. That, I forgot what happened. He had some pickup truck, and I went around him, and he, and he pulled up to me next light, and he started going, and he rolled down the window, and I went, "Hey, have a nice day, buddy." <laughs> I <gave him> a <laughs> thumbs up, and he got so enraged, he didn't know what to do. Yeah. He was, with, I think he was with somebody else, I was yeah. his wife or whatever, and I just pulled away, and he like yeah. made a turn off, like he didn't. How could you? You know, you can't go any further. If somebody does yeah. that to you. you of know? course, and you know what, you you did the right thing and you 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 ruined the rest of his day oh yeah by, oh, by yeah. having a good day 
That's exactly yeah, what it is. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to be cool, man. And that's going to ruin that guy's day because he's going to be like, I wanted to piss this guy off. I wanted, you know. Well, it, it Tom, have you been... I didn't cut the guy off. I just went around the traffic. I was in a hurry. And I, you know, it wasn't, it was like later at night. It wasn't even busy, but, and I just went around. So next lady, but hey, what the hell? I rolled down his window. I was like, hey, buddy, how you doing? Have a good day. You know? <laughs> he just, how you doing? Tom, have you been, before. you were from, weren't you from Florida? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Florida. Yeah. So, I mean, lately, I, I mean, I go down there. You got to drive like a maniac. It's like, uh, Listen, I can't believe how people drive down there. Florida is the road rage capital of the world. I yeah. yeah it's, I it's, was told that by a, a New York City cop that now is in Fort Lauderdale homicide. Yeah. He goes, don't get involved in a road rage incident no, no, no. down here. It's, he goes, it's, everyone's strapped, you know? Everyone. And that's like no joke. Like if you're pulling over on a road rage incident, something is terrible is going to happen. Like they're not, they're not doing it to like just chat with you right right uh, yeah a lot of stuff happens on the roads of florida i mean and driving, they're gonna assume that you have a gun because most people carry a gun so that's the other thing if you don't have yeah. a gun you're at a tremendous distance phil when i went to that maya kahachi preserve for gabby petito and i was like i drove from fort myers to there yeah i was the speed limit was 65 i was doing 80 people were flying yeah. by me oh, yeah. at 90 95 and i was like what the hell why i'm doing i'm doing 80 you know yeah. But it's a little scary. Yeah. That happened not. to me on the Jersey Turnpike, and I don't care to drive that fast. I avoid the, the Turnpike because of that. You do 75, it's like the, you know, yeah. and track the trailers doing 90, you know, a little swerve here or there, and uh, it lights out, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The car like a va like disintegrates as it flips. Yeah. And then you'll see these things. They look like they're just a couple tires and a shell. And you're like, oh, that person didn't make it. Uh, yeah, and it ha yeah, that happens yeah. in Florida all the time. I, I, it was really I mean, I I drive like a complete like great grandpa. Now it's bad. I drive, <laughs> I drive like I'll drive like maybe a few like three miles an hour over the speed limit just to make it, you know. But I used to drive really fast and people. Yeah, you're right. You go 75, 80 and people are just flying by you. Uh, but there are also things in Florida called zero tolerance counties and things like that. And uh, and they'll they'll drill you with with speeding tickets. But most people who drive fast know where they are. This is uh, Tom's show on Third and Avenue B, and that's his beautiful co-host, uh, Courtney McGinnis. I would have put more pictures of her up here if I could find them, but I only ah, found look at that guy. Good Lord. <laughs> and it is a, that's a good one. Who did that one for you? That was nice. <laughs> yeah, that looks a lot like me, huh? There you yeah, are. There's me with the hat. There's me. Uh, and I got one more picture of Courtney there. Yeah, you do. You really did Courtney did. get did Courtney get married? Yeah, Courtney's married. Yeah, she's married oh, to a comic, wow. a very, very funny comic who's a friend of mine, Casey James Stalengo, very funny guy. Wow. Is yeah. he his, is he Hispanic? No, 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 he's not. Oh, that name sounded like it was Spanish. Yeah. Well, it's Casey James Salengo. Salengo's like, I don't know what that is actually, but he's uh, maybe he's it's from, it, maybe it's Italian. Maybe we should introduce Italian. him to Phil. Should introduce him to Phil. Yeah, maybe. Phil, Phil was, yeah, exactly. He'll sniff him out, see if he's Italian. That's right. Paisan, within, within two minutes. What part of Brooklyn you're from? Yeah, right. Bay Ridge. What about the you? Bronx. I got two names. Get out of so here. Tough. We got two names. The Bronx. <laughs> Forget. Let me Bronx. play. Let me play a little Forget bit of of it. this. Tom, I this is I think. Hell's uh, uh, Kitchen. Uh, Obama Peng. Anyways, uh, they were leaving the restaurant, and in fact. This is where he met a very, very unfortunate fate. This, oh, is, this is a crazy story. Other character in this story. Her name is Arlene Francis. She lived in this building in what is called the Ritz Tower. Still here, very fancy, you know, very fancy. Uh, she lived here with her husband, Martin Gable, right? So she was out of town. She was actually in an upstate New York house that was near Connecticut where she was doing summer stock uh, acting. She was actually famous for uh, movies like One, Two, Three and Murder at the Rue Morgue. You know, all those big hits. She was also a regular on uh, What's My Line, uh, a game show there. Her husband was a, you know, had some small parts in movies with people like Humphrey Bogart, Frank Sinatra. Anyways, she lived in this building. She was out of town, her maid was cleaning, and the uh, window was propped open by two dumbbells, unfortunately. And she was cleaning the screen behind those dumbbells and accidentally knocked uh, them over. One fell into the apartment, the other one from the eighth floor fell all the way down and landed right on top of Alvin Rodecker's head, killing him. In fact, he was walking down the sidewalk with his wife, leaving the restaurant, Le Pavillon, and he had just said to her, wow, that was expensive, but worth it. We are really celebrating. Boink. Wow. 
Oh, crazy. Yikes. That's some bad luck right there. His wife sues. She gets 175000 from Arlene Francis, who wasn't there. And she gets 10000 from the building for $185,000 total. Pretty terrible. Pretty tragic. Things didn't stop for Arlene Francis there, unfortunately. One year after the trial, 1963, she actually was driving in uh, Long Island. It was a wet road. She lost control and went to the other side of traffic and oncoming traffic and killed, uh, you know, a passenger in another vehicle. And then to add insult to injury in 1988, she's robbed on the way out of a taxi cab of a pendant that she wore throughout her life, including on episodes of What's My Line. I'm sure all you What's My Line fans who are watching may remember it. But that all happened right here at the Ritz Tower on the corner of 57th and Park Avenue. You know, luckily I don't live uh, here. I live in Ridgewood, Queens, where none of the buildings are tall enough for dumbbells to fall and kill you. Uh, and that's why I live there. It's not because I can't <laughs> afford Manhattan or most of Brooklyn. It's because of the dumbbell problem. Uh, There's plenty of well, dumbbells well, well, in Brooklyn. Yeah, now you can afford it being your 53,000 subscriber YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. 53,000 subscribers, man. I, I'm rolling in it, dude. <laughs> Just rolling in it. I bet yeah, he's I, not drinking uh, Costco water. I drink I drink strictly champagne. I don't drink yeah, water. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tom, don't tell me. You're not a vegetarian, are you? No, I'm not a vegetarian. I, I don't oh, okay. think I'd survive as a vegetarian. I, I eat too much chicken and too much turkey. Those are the two things that I can't live without, unfortunately. But that's that's very healthy, chicken and turkey. Yeah, right? they're, the, they're the lean meats, I guess. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I couldn't make it. I, I If I even tried, I, I'd waste away. You know, we're almost through this episode, and I would be remiss without telling you guys that uh, Tom's dad was was a brain surgeon. <laughs> and uh, this is, I've never met – this is funny, Phil. I've never met anyone who likes that fact about me as much as Bill. <laughs> Every time there's a joke in there, no matter yeah, how I always have to sell the same joke. Every time he tells the same joke, every, time, same joke, every <laughs> time every time I see him, if I if he if he drove by me in the street, he would yell it out the car window. <laughs> you thought it was a brain surgeon. Yeah, exactly. Hey, that guy's the yeah, it's a, it's really, really funny. But yes, you're right. My dad, my dad was a brain surgeon. <laughs> what do you, you know? Uh, you know, folks, this is um this isn't our typical show. Like it's not a real crime episode, but I find this so interesting because it's New York esque, you know. And uh, we learn it's about New York. If you don't watch this episode. That's, that's what. Right. It is. Yeah, that's, that's a crime if you don't watch. If you don't and watch. I, I, I see some of the love that Tom has in the chat too. Some people that you know, obviously, are his fans jumping across channels. Patty L, laugh out loud. I don't know what the joke was, but you're laughing out loud. Milwaukee civilian. Well, he's ours. Arroz con pollo, rice and beans, right? Mm, I even know right. that much Spanish from working up in the Heights, you know? Uh, Abby, how about the underground world there? That's got to be dark. Oh, there's a, there's a lot of underground world. Rebecca Curiel Alessi, I saw that one. You must be one of Thomas fans. I don't recognize your name. If you're a new fan for us, thank oh, you for joining. I was just talking about the video. Right? I was just talking about the video that uh, you just showed. Oh, oh she yeah. saw it already. Yeah, maybe. So that shows you how popular you are. You're getting reruns. There's, people are watching your reruns there, right? So no, yeah, when you just played it, maybe she had seen it before. <laughs> Folks, if you're not subscribed to our, if you're not subscribed to our YouTube, please go on it. I see some of you new folks uh, sign up for our YouTube. Subscribe, hit the subscribe button, ring the bell, and all of that stuff. Join our Patreon and our YouTube channel. I don't want to keep Tom longer than an hour because he's always been great about coming on. I ask him to come on. He just says, when, when, when can I come on? I love your show. You know, no, it's we great, love man. hanging out with you guys. It's super fun. And I mean, uh, yeah. And I appreciate you guys having me on. It's funny because I, I kind of feel bad a little bit because yeah. All right. So I've read a bunch of books about New York, but you guys are talking about like all these things that you guys actually did and lived <laughs> at, you know, NYPD detectives. You know, I've seen you know a fraction, a fingernail of what you guys have seen, but uh, but so I kind of feel bad. But I'm glad that we we get along and like we can actually talk about <laughs> some, talk about some cool stuff and actually you know, uh, you know, I, I guess I know a different side of it than you. But guys you do. you have that you have that yearning for knowledge. You sure. always want to read and learn and and and, and, yeah, and, then, yeah. and then share that knowledge with the masses. You know, with the with the common folk. That's right. That's right. No, no, yeah, so, it's great. 
So, folks, uh, Phil, uh, I'm gonna let. I want Tom to be out of here before we hit 60 minutes. I wouldn't worry it, about it, though. I mean, if you guys go a couple minutes, over, nah. You know what it is? We don't like to go longer than an hour okay. because, uh, you know, p- people lose their um, their attention span and everything. Yeah. yeah so, let me Phil, do my last words. Yeah, final words. Final words. Okay. So great to have you on again, Tom. I'm looking forward. We got to do something together. We got to yes. collaborate. We sure. have a lot in common. Um, we're doing some other stuff with other podcasters. Uh, this Wednesday, we're going to be on at 7 p.m. on Jimmy Calandria's A Bath Avenue Story. Bill and I will both be on his show. And then Thursday evening, we're going to have um, – oh, actually, Wednesday night, we have another show with Dan Bibb on uh, – uh, no body homicides, no bodies recovered. The uh, uh, victims not recovered uh, homicide cases that were uh, tried and convicted. And then uh, Thursday night, we have Tommy Dade's uh, retired first grade detective encyclopedia on organized crime. Cool. He was actually just on Jimmy Clandry's show earlier tonight. Uh, we're going to do a several part series on the mob cops, the biggest corruption scandal in the history of the NYPD, two detectives that wound up becoming contract murderers for the organized crime in New York, the mafia, La Cosa Nostra, whatever you want to say. And uh, just looking forward to those next couple of shows. Uh, we're doing it. We're doing the work. Subscribe. Give us the thumbs up. And uh, that cross-pollination with the other YouTubers, same thing. Go to Tom's podcast. If you're listening on ours, give him a thumbs up. Subscribe to him. Same thing with Jimmy. And uh, let's get it done. That's right. 25,000 of you jump off Tom's and jump onto ours. Oh. <laughs> I'm just you kidding. You can subscribe to both. That's, that's right. You can go. subscribe to both. I'm just that's kidding. 25,000. We're closing in on that. We're pretty close. Uh, that's, that's right. We're only like 200 away from 25,000. We've been yeah. stalled for a while, but uh, yeah. No, but you're, doing, you're doing great, Bill. This is great. Yeah, we're, we're, working, we're working hard, and I'm glad, yeah. you know, having different. Uh, I learned the word when I was in college eclectic. Having eclectic guests like you yeah. help the, I, help the cause. I think it's. I think you're right, man. I think it, it keeps things fresh, and it also keeps you guys on your toes too, because you're talking to different people. If you guys talk to one type of person all the time, it keeps you guys kind of one note. And if you guys, the more the more different perspectives you deal with, the more interesting you guys become. You know, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, folks. Thank you so much for listening, Tom Delgado. Thank you so much. For you be uh, coming you, on brother. as a guest and Phil yeah, Grimaldi, ha- everyone be safe and have a great night. Stay safe, everyone. Thanks, guys. One episode, just